Welcome to the Same 24 Hours podcast. The podcast is currently on more or less hold to accommodate the recordings for the daily community meetup. During this crazy time, I'm having daily meetings online via Zoom where we can all join and see each other on video and there's special guests. And so I thought I would post the replays here on the podcast so those who can't listen live can listen later. So here we go, continuing on with the daily community meetups. If you'd like to join, all you have to do is go to swimbikemom.com forward slash meet, M-E-E-T, swimbikemom.com forward slash meet, and you can join us any day of the week, 12 noon Eastern during the week, and weekends I'm doing 8 p.m. Eastern on Saturday and Sunday. So I hope you all enjoy this episode of the Daily Community Meeting. Hi, and welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. All right. Hello. What day is it? Is it Wednesday? I think it's Wednesday. Welcome to the Daily Community Meetup, friends. So glad you're joining um, I am fresh off at workout today, so we're glad it's not smell-o-vision <laughs> because literally just came in from the gym. It's all good. It's all good. So I hope everyone is doing well. I'm excited about our special guest today. We're going to talk about some fun stuff. And um, let me make sure everyone is in who needs to be in. There's the chat. So if you have any questions during this or just want to chime in and say what's up, that's what we're here for. This is literally your community meetup. I'm just a place to place in a space to host it. So um, I'm glad you're here. I came across um, a quote last night from a book I read a long time ago called The War of Art. And I thought it would be good to talk about creativity for a minute this morning, because this is a perfect time to tap into our creativity. And it may not feel like it, and I've already touched on this um, a couple of meetups back, but really because things are so different, because our perspectives are shifting, this is exactly the time when new ideas can brew. And I find that when I'm meditating in the morning, I have all sorts of <laughs> new ideas, so many in fact, that I really need someone to put a muzzle on me and to tell me to stop. Yeah, and that's how it kind of is with me. I just get creative and then I can't stop. And then I go through lulls where I'm in a cave and I do nothing. But all of that to say that this book, The War of Art, for any of the creatives out there, this is Stephen Pressfield. And it is such a, if you like have an idea that you want to write a book or you want to start something, this is the book for you, The War of Art. It talks about in here how there's, this, there's a secret that real writers know that wannabe writers or creatives don't. And the secret is this, it's not the writing part that's hard. What's hard is sitting down to write. What keeps us from sitting down is resistance. So he talks in this book about what he calls the resistance. And it is that part of us that wants to say, oh, but you could be doing something else. Oh, but you're dumb. Oh, but you'll never, you know, the resistance is all that is standing between you and your creativity and this project and whatever you want to create. So this is a, it's a very small book. It's, it's written simply in these kind of, paragraphs. Um, so it's very digestible. But if during this time you're looking for something to inspire you and kind of get those juices flowing while things are so different, while you're thinking of stuff, I recommend The War of Art. And then of course, Brittany Brown, The Gifts of Imperfection. She talks about creativity in here. And I saw a few things that I wanted to point out. She says that she gives three tips for creativity about one, dig deep get deliberate and get inspired. So find that within yourself to, to dig deep and to be deliberate about it. And so that kind of ties into what Stephen Pressfield says um, about the resistance. So if you, if you want to try something new, you've really got to 
um, get deliberate about it and fight the resistance to be creative. And so I thought that was a nice way to think about hump day today as we strive toward the weekend, which has totally different meaning for all of us now, I'm very sure. Okay, so I would like to do a little bit of grounding, a little bit of breathing, a little bit of Meredith Atwood style meditation, which is completely not like anyone else's, whoops, I'm touching something on my computer, which is not really like real meditation. But the beautiful thing about real meditation is it's whatever you want it to be. So on these daily community meetups, these are the way I want to do meditation. So if you want a really good meditation, yesterday's re video replay I put up, Anthony Malone did a great one and he was fantastic. So, okay, y'all, I just want us to close our eyes for a minute. This is going to be short. I just want us to breathe because life is not really allowing for a lot of breathing right now, not true breathing, unless we are making time for it. So this is our time on the daily community meetup, even if you don't do it any other time, to just breathe and just feel yourself relax just a little bit with a breath. It's really nice. Keep breathing. And think about ways you can tap into your creativity. Think about one thing you could do today that would move that needle just a little bit, make you feel good, that you accomplish something fun and creative for yourself. Even if it's just drawing a picture, just breathe and think about that creative part of you that's probably been awfully quieted before now. As you breathe, I wanna read you something about resilience because this is a time where we all need some resilience. So keep breathing and listen to this poem. In uncertainty, I am resilient. I have air and light, breath and hope, in suffering, I have resilience. I can see the promise of a new day even when I am scared. I can open my eyes, I can feel fully, and I cannot be afraid. I am not afraid of what I feel. In sadness and love and joy and pain, I am resilient because I am free. I am in a place of light because I choose light. Today, as I breathe, I make my choice. In this quiet breath and meditation, I choose to be as resilient as necessary, as resilient as I am called to be. There is no limit to my ability to grow, to be, to see, to thrive. Exactly in this moment, I am resilient. I am creative. I am, I am limitless right here, right now. So take a deep breath. and open your eyes when you're ready. All right, everyone. Thank you for that. All right, Trisha, I'm gonna unmute you. This is Trisha Huffman. She is known on Instagram as your joyologist. And I don't know how I found you, Trisha, but um, I did. And you have some posts about you were calling out bullshit <laughs> on your Instagram. And I was simultaneously calling out nonsense and bullshit on my podcast. So I was like, we should know each other because it sounds like we are probably cut from the same cloth. And um, so I just thought it would be awesome. We've been trying to podcast and blowing each other off <laughs> for miscellaneous reasons, including a pandemic. But I thought today would be great to to meet you informally and face-to-face and, -face and let everyone hear your story and what you're about. And, and maybe you can spread some of your joy during this, this time. Yeah. Okay. So you want me to start out with yeah. my story? Let's hear your story. I'll Where give you a, come from. I'll give you a, a brief, a brief version because I like to tell stories. You don't uh, have my to be story, brief. Especially. We got all the time in the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, mainly like the big points in my life were I always grew up with pain and systemic problems and all sorts of things. And my mom was taking me to all sorts of doctors and 
not getting any diagnosis. And when I was 15, it was also a freshman in high school. So that's just also a hard time in life. Like, you know, I feel like we're very much trying to figure out who we are and the pressures to like fit in or belong or stand out and even that belongingness. And I felt very isolated alone. I felt misunderstood because I had all this pain and even my parents I've kind of felt with like, we're like kind of getting worn down by it. Um, Cause it's, it was, it, I ended up when I was 18 being diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which is also like kind of a word they give to you when you have a lot of things wrong with you. <laughs> they can't right, figure it right. out. So it's the invisible chronic pain. I never had a fever or like anything like um, diagnosable, you know, like, like, oh, it's this. Um, so it got really bad and I almost committed suicide. And I had this sort of moment where I was like, if I'm so actually thinking this and I stay awake many nights because I couldn't sleep thinking about committing suicide, I either need to do it or choose a different way of living. And so I started, I changed my life realizing I couldn't deal with the physical pain, but I could do something about the mental pain that I was causing myself and that the pressures that start, I think, you know, in those teenage years and then continue through adulthood of this, like, what should I be doing? Uh, looking for the external validation. Like we are so often making other people's opinions of us be more important than our own opinions of ourselves. And so I started from that point on being like, I believe in myself. I'm just going to do what I want to do and stop caring so much about what other people think, including my parents. Um, and so that led to me leading, um, I, I, I always was interested in music and I loved concerts. And so I, um, I wanted to become a live sound engineer, even though I didn't know what it was called, but like the person at the concert that was controlling the audio. And so I made that happen. I moved to Chicago and, uh, I, um, worked for free at the house of blues company store in the retail store. Cause I only had retail experience and got to know the production people upstairs and was like, I think that what you guys are doing is what I want to do. They said, sure, come hang out. And I started working there for free. I quit my other like office job. I was like fully supporting myself and working nonstop because that's what I wanted to do. And all this time too, I was, I still had the physical pain and I was learning how to better take care of myself. Oh, exercise really makes me feel good, even though it's so painful for the first 15 minutes. But then once I move through it, it feels good. Learning how to better or take care of myself and like all self-care techniques and stuff as I was growing up. Um, and then I, I made it happen. I became, uh, I started touring with Grammy award-winning artists around the world as their sound engineer. Um, but in that process of becoming a sound engineer too, I was constantly coming up against judgment because it's a man's world. Totally. The production touring concert world is totally a man's world, but especially as a sound engineer. The girls that are there usually would be a tour manager, a production assistant, help with catering. So, um, and I was 18 years old and a young girl. And so a lot of people were not taking me seriously. And even then the people that were there started to see that I didn't know anything, but I really wanted to. So they helped me. But then every day we had new people coming in that were working with these bands that come in with their own people. Even once I got the tours and I was on tour with um, these Grammy award-winning artists, the people at the local venues would be, who are you? We're not going to listen to you. Who is this young girl? So I constantly was coming up against judgment. And this quote that is still my favorite quote that I gave both of my daughters the middle name Rose to represent this, because it's from Eleanor Roosevelt, is no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. consent. I love that, that quote. Yeah. I came across that in that first year that I was like making that happen. And that was just like my lifeline that every day I was being judged. They were saying things or I felt like I was being judged because sometimes we just make up we're being judged and sometimes we really are. And I just had to keep checking in with, well, what do I believe? What do I believe about myself? And especially even I was just still learning, but I believe I'm capable of this. I believe I can do this. So I was sort of like using affirmations without doing it by just constantly checking in with, no one can make me feel inferior without my consent. So these people are telling me I'm not good enough. I'm never going to be able to do this. I'm this. What do I believe? So it like constantly became a check-in of what do I believe? Um, so yeah, so then I made this dream happen. I was touring the world. It was a very cool lifestyle. Um, 
being paid to be put up in nice, you know, hotels around the world. And I'm like responsible for the band playing their best. Cause I actually did sound for the band on stage. Each person on stage has their own mix of what they want to hear. So it is like super intense, <laughs> super high pressure, but also the super rewarding. Cause I'm like, they are only performing cause they can hear what I'm giving them to hear. Wow. Um, that, yeah, that sounds terrifying, but yeah. <laughs> very high pressure. <laughs> Like today, we're gonna do Mary had a little lamb jokes on you, April Fool's. Just kidding, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but anyway, and then this time, too, I again becoming more self care. Like, I'm doing yoga before I get off the bus, I'm like bringing a juicer with me so that I stay healthy. So, I was living like rock and roll lifestyle, but also like being very healthy on the road. And what I got to see up close is that these people that we think have it all, I was living my dream but I was working for people that had written their own songs, had, you know, win, won Grammys, were performing for thousands upon thousands of people around the world that could fly off and take a vacation on this private jet. They even had what I could see, like amazing loving relatives and, um, and great relationships in their life, but they still were surprisingly not happy every day, not stoked about going on stage every night. That, and so that was a big part of me also seeing like, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent, but no one can make you feel anything without your consent. No one can make you feel joy, successful, fulfilled, lovable, enough, worthy. You could have everything in the world and you're still like looking for more, looking for external validation. And that's why I ended up naming my podcast, Claim It, is that I feel like we have to claim these things for ourselves. That every day, and it's every day, every moment, <laughs> We have to claim, oh, my worth, this, I am worthy. I am successful today, even if I don't do anything. I am enough. All of these things that, because even if you have everything, if you are putting it outside of yourself, then you're just like, you write the book, you get the bestseller thing. And then you're like, what's the next book? So what's the this? What's the next, you know, a post goes viral. Yay, people like what I have to say. What am I going to say next? Like, like <laughs> you know, that you have to be the one inside saying, yeah, I'm really like satisfied by what I'm doing and I'm fulfilled and I'm worthy and I'm enough. Um, so seeing that, that these people we think have it all still struggle every day with all the things we do, doubts, fears anxiety, stress, not feeling enough, not feeling loved, um, that everybody has the same issues. And at, around that same time, my father passed away suddenly. He was found dead in his car. And that was shattering, like life shattering to me. And I, I found out the day I was supposed to be getting on a plane to Australia for a tour. I didn't go to Australia. I went home for the funeral and then flew to Australia because I didn't know what else to do. And I toured for like three weeks as a complete mess. <laughs> and then I finally said, I need to do, I can't do this anymore. And I really felt this strong call that I needed to do more with my life that I, you know, felt like I took such great care of myself and my body and my mind, but I'm on tour with these people that don't do it. I'm in airports and in towns and in restaurants all around the world every day. And everybody looks like they're just walking through the motions of life. Like I, it, it was rare that I saw joy right wow. and that people like really feeling like they were stoked about their lives and I was just like wanted to shake people and be like you could die in your car tonight do you know that like because my father had passed away very suddenly like a freak accident um so I didn't know what I would do and I had no money saved up it was March and I was supposed to be touring the entire year and I was somebody that you know I like work make money to then use it to then work <laughs> like so I didn't have any <laughs> money saved up but I just knew I had to stop um I like how I said I was telling you the short version, but I'm giving you bits throughout this. Yeah, I love this. This is fantastic. I sort of like, like going in and out. <laughs> now I'm like, and then what happened? No, keep, this so, is great. Um, I love so this. I, came, I love good storytellers. So I came off the tour and I had no clue what I was going to do. I didn't have money saved up. I had been living out of suitcases and mostly didn't even have an address for like that past nine years when I'd been touring. Um, and I just, like I said, I knew I needed to do more with my life. This was before also like online coaching and stuff was like really a thing, but I didn't know what to do. So the first thing though, I told myself and I have no idea where it came from is I was like, I'm done with the word should. And I don't feel like I've ever been somebody who was much of a person of following shoulds. Cause from being that 15 year old and being like, no, I'm doing things my way. 
So I don't know where that message came from. I was just like, I am done with the word should. And I committed so strongly that I didn't allow it to come out of my mouth. And holy, we don't even realize how much we are using the word should and living into shoulds until you choose to eliminate it. Uh, so I, I was so committed again, so I wouldn't allow it to come out of my mouth. So I'd be in a conversation and be like, what should, and I'd pause and be like, <laughs> like what's what? a good synonym for this? <laughs> what other word can I even use? And what I found is that 95% of the time, the word that best replaced should was want. And that was a huge changer. We're always saying, what should I eat today? What do I want to eat today? What should I wear today? What do I want to wear today? Oh, I should really exercise. I want to exercise. And that I even found like in the procrastinational things of like, it could be like, oh, I should exercise. And maybe you're not like really like, I want to exercise right now. It feels like I should. So then it got me to ask, well, like, well, why do I want to exercise? Because I feel great. I feel clear headed. I feel inspired. I feel strong in my body when I exercise. Oh, so yeah, I want to exercise. That I found all of these ways that switching from should to want, like it gave me so much power back in my life. I was no longer like outsourcing, like really with shoulds, we're outsourcing all of our life choices to the world. With once, you are always going within and checking in with yourself. That's and so I asked, great. I gave the word up over 10 years ago, but I still feel the weight of shoulds every single day. So I don't say the word unless I'm doing it like this, where like we should, you know, or like you're feeling a should, like, but I don't allow myself to say it, but I still feel it every day. But because I'm so tuned in, I can feel this weight of the should. And then again, it allows me to see like, what's made of making this choice? Is it because I feel like, because everybody else is doing it? Like, so I feel I should. Is it because I've seen all these influencers tell me this is the next wellness hack? And so I feel I should do that. But does it actually feel like it speaks to me? So that was a huge game changer in my life. And it still is. And that's actually, I'm writing my first book now about that. Like, <laughs> like nice. the life changing effects of a limiting should from your life. But so what I ended up discovering and creating from this is that I went back on the road taking care of artists and they gave me the title of a joyologist <laughs> and that sucked since then. And so I just, I went back to the world I knew and I was like, look, I'm going to, you know, be there to support you in mind, body, and spirit. So I was leading them yoga classes. I got certified as a yoga teacher during that time because yoga was, had been something so supportive of me. I got really into like healthy cooking because that was, again, something that had supported me like being health, being able to live in my life for all those years. Um, and I was the person that it was calling them out on their, I don't, I'm trying to Bullshit. Pass here. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like <laughs> calling them out on their shit because there's also people in positions of power while you're a boss of a company or you're the person that's the lead singer or that's singing the songs or whoever you are, people aren't going to tell you that you need to like get in check or like, hey, what's wrong with you? They just allow people to be upset and then it hurts everybody. So everybody's walking around on their footsteps, right? So even if you're in your own home, you're the, you know, house, nobody would want to call you, hey, what's going on with you, the head of the household? then everybody's living in this like poisonous touchy vibe. So I was like, let's, so what's going on with you? I was so used to calling myself out on my bullshit <laughs> and my bullshit thoughts with the shoulds help me do that. Then I was like, Hey, you're acting like this. So what are you going to do about it? And not also enabling them, but being like, so great. Okay. So you're upset because this person did that. So what are you going to do about it? Like, and what is, how is that making you feel? And okay, you're feeling pressure to do this. So why are you feeling that? How does that feel? So really keeping them in integrity with themselves. And one of the people that I worked with for a long time, Jason Mraz, ended up even one year giving me the title of manager of integrity. <laughs> so that was what he titled me. So I was like keeping him in integrity with himself. So yeah, and from there I would be... Um, I just saw, I, oh, I'm seeing the little what exclamation points on this side. Love it. Um, yeah. So it's all, that's how it started. And then it was sharing these messages via social media and stuff. And I have a new pod or I have a podcast, writing a book and everything. So I just realized I'm able to be very aware of what's going on in my own mind and that we're all dealing with the same things, even though our lives are so different. We're all struggling yeah. with these doubts, these fears, the comparisons. And a lot of it is honestly related to shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love that. It's so simple. Like you honed in on this concept, like eliminating the word should boom changed your life. Right. And that's how I feel about the word nonsense for me. Cause like two years ago that popped, I was like, I'm getting rid of nonsense. I'm just, no, everything can be boiled down to nonsense. 
or not. The not nonsense I keep, the nonsense I don't talk to, I don't do, I say no thank you, I, you know, and it's like, it's just like that. If we can grab on to a concept like that, whether it's get rid of should, get rid of nonsense, like it is life-changing. It's life-changing yeah. because it simplifies it because we think that we have to figure out how to fix everything. <laughs> and so if you're trying to fix everything, nothing gets remedied at all ever because there's no method there's no plan there's no thing to think about and so I love that eliminating should man Woo! yeah because it's just like again it's so big and I'm not saying it's easy like I said it's something every day I'm still working through but it gives me this one point oh is this a should or what like and because of that then it gives me the more questions why am I doing this what do I want is this best for me right now that again like and you're saying nonsense whatever that nonsense is, is usually, again, stuff from the outside world is telling right. you. It's a should. Right, this, this. And so then you're yeah. coming back into, oh, me, is this nonsense to me or is this important to me? Like that you're keep coming back, yes. that we're giving people, whether it's one, this word or that word of like this thing to go keep coming back to yourself. Yeah, we're geniuses, Trisha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so great. And I love, um, what else did you say? Oh, when you said, um, back to the Eleanor Roosevelt quote, when you said you felt like you were being judged and, and you said, you know, sometimes people were judging you and sometimes you thought they were. And I like the, um, and Brene Brown talks about this and I, I talked about it years ago too, but how we make up a story, right? And that story in our head dictates our life and you can easily insert the word should <laughs> into that story along the way. Oh, I should lose weight. Oh, I should do this. I should be this. And um, how creating a new story, taking out the word should, I mean, that is really reclaiming your power. But when you created the podcast, Claim It, um, how, so what are the steps for people to, I mean, I guess they can take the simple step of eliminating the word should. But when you say like, claim it, claim who you are, where, what's the starting point there? Well, I think this will still answer, but something when you were just talking about that too, and that the creating the stories and bringing up to how I said that I thought sometimes it thinks people are judging us that, yeah, I think a lot of what we we're often motivated by this fear of what people will think of us. And what that really is, is that we're judging ourselves. So we're not even giving ourselves a chance. We're judging ourselves. We're making up this story, like you said, or Brene sounds, making up a story is, again, that it's actually us judging ourselves. And so what, something that's been great for me is that when I catch that is that I saw that a judgment can't have power over me unless it's something I believe to be true about myself. So when you are feeling this judge, can you hear yourself in a story, are afraid to say something, do something because of what will people think, then you get to ask yourself, is this something that I believe to be true about myself? And sometimes it is, you know, like I can catch myself in, uh, you know, I, I hadn't done like public speaking in a very long time. And I had a gig last year and it got me all sorts of like into the shoulds and this, I need to get a manicure and I need to do this and I need this perfect outfit. I need to make sure I exercise every day. Not because normally how it makes me feel, I got caught back into what I, you know, should be doing. And, and what I realized is that you know, I was like, a judgment is only has power over me, which by the way, that was the subject of my talk. A judgment can only have power you if it's something you believe to be true in yourself. And throughout that me getting ready, I'm constantly judging myself. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm feeling like, because, but what was happening is that I'm feeling like I'm not enough. I feel like I'm right. getting, going to get on that stage and I'm not going to be enough. They're not going to take me seriously. They're going to be like, who is this girl? Why is she up here? What does she have to say? And so what I was able to see that in all these fears and doubts, that was me judging myself. And so to come back to, is this what I believe to be true about myself? that like no one's going to take me seriously and I don't have any valuable to things unless I'm wearing this perfect outfit, have the perfect gel manicure. I was worried about getting my car washed and nobody would even see my car. Like <laughs> I, you know, was seeing all these things come up and I was like, Trisha, this is bullshit. You are just living into a story of you're not enough Be based on like these external things I'm afraid of being judged for. And like, so I had to do the work myself of what do I believe about myself? So anytime I found myself in that fear and creating the story and the fear of judged, I I was, had to come back to, what do I believe about myself? I believe that I do have an amazing story to tell. I believe I do have important things to say. I believe I am worthy of being on stage, even if I don't get that manicure and have the coolest outfit. And so, yeah. and then you can turn that into the affirmations of the now tense saying, of like, I am worthy. I am enough who I am. I have valuable things to say of like now tense statement. But like, for me, that's a big 
thing that I lean on to along with the shoulds is that realizing a judgment can only have power over me if it's something I believe to be true. So this can be out in public with my kids. I have a two and a four-year-old, which, so we're not out in public right now, obviously. But that's when I most feel judged in my life. People giving me looks because my energetic kids are doing something. I immediately can feel judged. I'm not a good mom. And so then, yeah. so this is something to use when it's you in your head judging yourself or somebody is actually judging you, whether they say something or they're giving you dirty looks. I get to, I cringe. Oh my God, everybody thinks I'm not a good mom right now. Do I think that I'm not a good mom? No. Okay, then fuck it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I get to just be me and keep doing what I'm doing. And so for that, me, that me being able to then and then I'm claiming so that is the process of claiming like I'm reclaiming who I am in every moment by paying attention to what are these negative things that I'm believing or telling myself yeah yeah and I and I think some people some of us have to take it a step prior because we don't believe those things about ourselves and and you have to you should no you um would want to um tell yourself <laughs> that you are the things you want to be, um, yeah. you know, cause who knows where we got our core beliefs. They could have come from childhood. They weren't so great. And you begin to believe these things that are negative also are not true about yourself. And so claiming it also, I mean, I would guess means sort of setting intentions, motivations for who you want to step into the affirmations of becoming. Um, yeah. I am fit. I am strong. I'm an amazing public speaker and my car is washed and, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so that's what like, so creating those things that you want to believe so that you can then call yourself into it. But for me, that's like the most powerful way to do that is to pay attention to where I'm telling myself I'm not, or I need to be something else. So to hear what you're telling yourself, that is what you don't want to believe about yourself, or maybe you even are believing it, but you want to believe something else. So like, right. so yeah, you want to right. then see what do I want to believe and then turn it into an affirmation. And so sometimes you can do that without even like, you, you already know, I need to work on this. Like I am confident in who I am. I am worthy. I am enough as I am today, no matter what. But that the most powerful affirmations come from finding what you are struggling with personally and then turning them into what you want to believe. So that's why I was saying tuning into where are you telling yourself a story or judging yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And the mom thing, that's big because my kids are 14 months apart and they were, you know, you take them to a grocery store and you're like, oh dear God, like just please stop, please stop being kids. And, and it is those looks. And I mean, you're, you're right to, to be like, yeah, man, I'm a good mom in this moment. My kids are good kids. And like Catherine says here, I'm a great mom and I've got some lucky kids. <laughs> it's yes. true though I mean that is but that's that is... yeah if you're not addressing it then you're living with that weight of like everybody's judging me I can't do this you know like so the dressing that what am I feeling oh I'm being feeling judged right now do I believe this to be true no and then you can eat like shift your energy out of it and be in the present moment and claim your joy claim your worth claim that you're an awesome mom yeah, and not yeah. be living into everybody's judging me because my that's kids are right. wild <laughs> and kids are wild. That's just part of it. So does anyone have any questions for Trisha or like to pop in and say what's going on in your world? I love when, and I also say this is a lovely place to practice our public speaking skills <laughs> because it's safe. It's small. And if you would like to raise your hand and just share what's, what's going on with you, that's, you know, it's a community meeting. It's for all of us. So if you have any questions or comments, please let me know. And if not, Trisha and I'll just continue hamming it up. <laughs> so tell me about this book and um what's the plan with that or do you are you have a pub date do you know what the scoop is are you in process no so i'm yeah i'm in the process and that's what um i wrote the proposal and got an agent and then just before this was um just before like we got on lockdown i was like all right let me do the final fine tune the proposal and then I was all like ready to get it to send for my agent to send to publishers and then it's turned to now your kids are at home with you 24 7 and so I had to release the pressure myself of feeling I should be further along I should be working every day on this because I was a, and being like trusting the process going through all this gave me another couple chapter ideas that were important so um <laughs> yeah so I'm in the place of still polishing the proposal before it gets sent to um publishers and, um, and that's too, like what I was going to talk about today of like dealing through all of this is of course the shoulds is that again, like 
we are all feeling so much right now, I'm sure. And it's like that we can really feel shoulds right now. And like, I should be doing more. I should be able to work. I, sh you know, I sh should be offering more to my community because I see other people and like to constantly check back in with like, where is this feeling being motivated by? Is this being motivated because like I'm behind now? I, I wanted this deal and now it's not happening because I'm, you know, or like, oh, everybody else is, you know, this person is sitting at home because she doesn't have kids. So she's probably already sent her book proposal. It, like, is it coming from <laughs> comparison? Is it the fear of right. falling behind, a fear of I'm not doing enough? Like, you know what? what yeah what's motivating this feeling like I should be properly homeschooling my kids right now and I'm not and it's just like it's you know like where are you feeling these pressures and that seeing like a lot of them are likely shoulds and like coming back to what feels good for you right now and again it's a moment to moment process you could wake up feeling like so right inspired and empowered and then two hours later like it all hits you so it's, everything <laughs> is a moment to moment process <laughs> yeah is it life I mean that is a great way to live your life to a moment to moment. One, it's reinforcing presence. And two, it's, it's allowing you to do a check-in. I mean, if we're checking in with ourselves constantly, okay, what am I feeling right now? What is this emotion? What is driving me? Like that's going to prevent, you know, the binge eating. That's going to prevent the self-hate. That's going to prevent so many things if we're constantly checking in. So that's a good point. Yeah. And, um, because of this, you know, that I'm basically always coming from a place of want and I'm being intentional, then I'm, never like feeling resentful i'm never like showing up to something not wanting to be there or you know like it's really like you're taking full control of your life by constantly weighing out is this a should or a want right right does anyone want to pop in kim oh hi kim i don't know if you're still on i love kim yeah can, yeah yeah there she is yeah hi. yeah i've heard other people like taking should out but like like the different words even need to like i you know i have to i need to feels like the weighty so it's again with choosing one it realizes it's your choice that it's always your choice um yeah, yeah. i get to is a positive one too but that still kind of feels like i get to i don't really know if i want to <laughs> right i feel like I, <laughs> you know? I, I sometimes feel like i get to is an i must or i should too like oh yeah it's, it's like a to, fake, for me it can be like a fake positive like i got to do this thing but like you're trying to convince yourself but when you're putting it into like i want the point is i want you to actually choose that and it might be like you know no i don't want to <laughs> right just because I get to I know I, I like that too I like the sentiment but for me and also I'm like a little bit of a rebel too so it's like yeah I may get to but I don't wanna <laughs> yeah so there yeah. I won't <laughs> yeah totally yeah. same <laughs> yeah I love it um oh Tra Tracy yes hello sweet girl how are you hey good 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 thank oh, you, you. I was like where'd um, you go <laughs> I'm right here um bedhead um <laughs> So just uh, some insight that you've made me think of. Um, my husband, he's a United Methodist pastor, um, very social just, justice focused, and um, uh, in my opinion, a super cool guy, um, not your typical pastor. And um, not the pastor's uncle. Let me rephrase that. Um, but uh, he, in his sermon, sometimes uses the word should um, and not in what he tries to to do is like in a judgmental or a condemning way to make people feel guilty. But, um, even in ways of, you know, you should remember that you're loved regardless of the actions that you've taken or whatever. And, um, a parishioner, um, someone who goes to the church a couple of months back challenged him to take that word out of his sermons. Um, because for that individual, it's something he's been focusing on. And my husband, um, he was just like, I never even thought about the fact that I use that word, but that definitely can be a word that people who are taking a message from me take with heavier weight than they need to, um, because I'm not here to tell them what they're supposed to do. I'm here to inspire them and to get them to live their best lives. Um, so it's just really interesting to hear this other conversation about personally um, trying to not use that word should, um, but also how we can negatively influence others by using the word should toward them. Yes, I love that. I love that your parishioner brought that up. Um, 
Cause that's that. And that is a chapter in my book too. Cause I'm talking about completely eliminating it. And some people will use it in a way of like, well, I'm, I'm trying to just suggest something to someone else that will support them. Like, yeah, he's saying it in a way like he's wanting, he's, you know, trying to create probably good in these people's lives, but it can come up as, oh, I'm wrong if I don't do that. Or like, yeah, could somebody wrote could lead to the shame game. It absolutely should is such a shame. So, so yeah, like trying to rephrase this and that I'm, you know, eliminating the shoulds makes me be more mindful of all the words I use and how it can land to people. And so, yeah, it is like looking at like, yeah, like you want to, or try to do this in your life. So yeah, like looking at that and what I'm like, I think the name of that chapter is like, what are you really saying? And so it's that even too, like to be, it makes you even more intentional when you're talking to yourself and to other people. Because oftentimes, too, when we're talking to other people, it can come off of either as like you're trying to make yourself smaller, like, hey, we should hang out sometime. You know, like you're afraid to be like, hey, I, you're awesome. Do you want to hang out sometime? You know, that it's like, what are you trying to say? So should can also make you feel smaller or it can come off as I know better than you. So you're wrong and now you're going to feel bad because you don't do this and that you messed up without, and that's not what your husband, that's not his intention, but that's how it could land for someone. And so like to be even more intentional with your words, with others and yourself. Yeah. It's a big thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I, um, when my son was three, we went to see a therapist with him because he was, everything was no everything was temper tantrums, everything was, and so they tried to diagnose him with oppositional defiance disorder. I have since learned that there was so much more going on, but he had a drinking mother, he had a sister 14 months right after, like there was a lot more going on. And so we did what was called play therapy with him. And what that is, is you just observe a child doing whatever they're doing. And you say, I like how you're playing with those blocks. <laughs> I like how you're touching the bear, right? You know, it's all this, it's so like, I don't want to do this. Um, but the interesting thing that one of the therapists said, cause they, cause first of all, then they watch you play with your kids and give, give insight. And it's just the worst, it's the most humiliating thing ever, but I was at Wits End. Um, but one of the things that she suggested is when you're speaking to children to leave out command words. And so this isn't exactly should, but it's, it's words like, look, you are, or hey, look, do this, or stop, or go, to just eliminate command words. Because how often do we just tell our kids, hey, look at this, and look seems, you know, asinine, like big deal. But it was so impactful to be an observer as a parent versus a teller, (laughs) an instructor. And um, not that that's the same thing here, but I just thought the power of the word, you know, look, is so big the power of this word should and you don't know how a child is interpreting it especially a kid that doesn't want to be told what to do and you're telling them where to look (laughs) it's like I don't want to do that and so it's interesting how that can be perceived by we don't know what other people are perceiving yeah especially if they're insensitive about something and then like even if it's their pastor that they love is saying you should do this I even I love Glennon Doyle and I haven't read her new book yet but I the day it came out I was listening to her podcast on Goop and she was like talking about, you know, yeah, we're so, she brought up shoulds and, but not fully, but what I was taking as shoulds, like, you know, we're raised, especially as women that you should do this and you should do this. And then she said, but what we should be doing is we should be this and we should be that. <laughs> and I was like, immediately like, right. Like, okay, getting back to my book proposal. I need to get this done. Cause again, it's like someone like that, that again, it's amazing. And what she's preaching is good, but it's still then someone is still looking to someone else. Tell me what to do. Okay, these are the yeah. negative things. Don't do that, but tell me this. And that I'm like, you got to look, go within. It's good to take, like seek information to, you know, of course, listen to other people. Listen to us. Listen to me, America. Yeah. But like, yeah. you know, it's listen, like, you should listen like, to us, but not anyone. You know, but it's like, again, like, of course we get information from other people that it's like, but for me, it's like taking that word out. It's bringing it back to being more self-reliant in yourself and not, even if it's a positive should, it still has a weight. So if I don't do that, I'm wrong. Yes. Yes. And this is where, <laughs> preach, where's my soapbox? Because <laughs> this is where I have a chapter in my book on self-care. Because I think the self-care industry and the self-care wording and self-love is bullshit. I, it, it crawls me. Look, everyone needs to take care of themselves how they want to take care of themselves. What you should do with your self-care is your business. And, but I have like a real beef with the, the self-care term and telling everyone they should drink kale smoothies and you should meditate and you should do all these things because 
no, you shouldn't, you should do what you want, right? And, and um, so I have a big beef with that, but it's interesting you mentioned Glennon's book because I purchased it. I haven't read it yet either because <laughs> I don't know why I will, um, but the idea that I've gathered from it feels the same. I, I'm like, am I in a place where I can be told to be untamed? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I don't know if she's going to tell me you should be untamed and run away from your family. Like, cause from an objective outsider, I haven't watched, you know, I don't follow her religiously, but I, I I've observed her over the years and the message like that I, I view scares me. And, you know, so to read the untamed idea, like I can't, I, I, I want to be where I'm at. <laughs> I want to be a mom of two in Massachusetts in my little house, not should, I want to see them grow. You know, I don't want to be untamed. So um, that's really funny. You brought her up. Cause but that's again, like, so that's, see, we don't know how people are taking things. Like you're taking <laughs> that as like, what is she going to tell me to do? And somebody else is like, Oh, that speaks to me so much. <laughs> like we don't know. And it's all personal. I'm like totally with the self-care world. It's, it's a, such a should game. You should meditate. You should do this. And so again, we can feel this weight of I'm not a good person. If I don't meditate, I'm not super um, intentional. I'm not this, if I don't meditate. But so coming again, that with that should, then you get to ask like, why do I feel I should meditate? Because everybody else does. And it's really good for you. Or because you know, I actually want to try to see if that helps. Or, you know, the last time I did that, it did help. So checking in with the motivation of it. I definitely feel that uh, I should meditate. And I don't, and I feel great about that choice. <laughs> yeah, no. And I'll so tell you, I'm constantly have to come up against it. Like everybody's meditating. No. It seems like then I should try that. But for right. me, I always check in. That's still not speaking to me. Or I do it in a different way. You know, it's right. and even at the beginning when you were sort, you didn't use the word should, but you were alluding to, you weren't doing it the right way. Right, you right, know, because I was because yeah, that's I mean, leading into the shoulds. But like, yeah, that, I loved your version of a meditate. We closed down, yeah, like everybody closed their eyes and breathed for a couple seconds and hear a quote. That's amazing. <laughs> but you're well, leading into then we should meditate by sitting quietly for twenty minutes or something. So if we yeah. don't do it that way, we're wrong. <laughs> and that's why I basically told everyone to piss off when they told me to meditate for years, and I refused to do it. And then I had Emily Fletcher, who's the founder of Ziva Meditation, on my podcast last year, and she gifted me her like four hundred dollar course. And she said, "I want to give this to you because I, I mean, I interviewed her. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to meditate. You're never going to make me.'" And she's like, "Well, I'm going to give you this gift." And I was like, "Oh my god, it's a very expensive gift. I should probably, I should, <laughs> I should probably do it." Um, but I did it just out of obligation. It made me mad. But what came out of it was, hey, you know what? I want to do this because it had a benefit and it made me feel good. But even now, I do not meditate the way that I was instructed in Ziva meditation. I do what I want. <laughs> I do yeah. what makes me feel good. And you're right. I wake up and I want to meditate, but I do it in my way. And when I do it on these calls, it's only just to make us stop and breathe. Like, yeah. we really should breathe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I you mean, meditation is great, but that was just like, again, it's, again, it gives me these other questions to ask myself, is this a should or a want? Okay. I yeah. want to feel like people say that they feel calm or this when they do that. If I'm still resistant to meditating, well, what can I do that will give me those feelings for me? Okay. I'm going to walk outside. I'm going to go do yoga or whatever. So again, it's just like, I'm asking yourself more questions by just paying attention to the weight of the word should and what's driving yeah. you. Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome. I love this. I love this. Does anyone else want to ask Tristan any questions? Give us some commentary on what's going on with you guys. Anyone? Oh, hi. All right. Tanya. Yes. Hi. hi. I can actually, get it right. I mean, you can actually see me today. <laughs> hey. uh, I just want to say, like, thank you for doing this. And uh, yeah, that's eliminating should is, is something I've been doing for a few years and uh, it's definitely helped I, I didn't look at it as taking out should at first I just started I stopped trying to people please all the time and just check in with me like did I actually want to do this Did I did this sit well with me um, how did it make me feel afterwards if I did it like force myself to do it or go somewhere or take on more tasks and I found that by like really checking in with myself and being true to myself, life became so much easier because I didn't have to cope with cope with my my decisions afterwards, right? And 
and yeah, so what you've been saying is, is incredibly, uh, it's very wise, and uh, I just wanted to thank you for that. And I just wanted to very quickly say that as, as uh, this call started, I went to the door because there was a knock at it, and I, I have your book now. So. Oh, <laughs> there it is. That's so I'm just going to read this afterwards, and I just wanted to say uh, thank you, and it's super great to see all of you. Oh, thank you, and hope you enjoy that book. <laughs> awesome, I love that. Yeah, you've already taken the word out and like see the, uh, yeah, it's, it does. It's like it could seem like work, but it's then it makes you, like, and you're so, it's so freeing because you're not having this weight of this other, living into other people's expectations or feeling funky because you did something just because you should, or especially the people-pleasing. So yes. People-pleasing is not that. All right. Anyone else want to chime in? Cool. Well, Trisha, thank you so much for this. This was awesome. I look forward to following, continuing to follow you. And, um, you know, I'm going to put this up on the podcast and probably, I'm probably going to put the video up on YouTube for this too, because I think oh, it was cool. so, so great. So, um, yeah, just, just keep in touch. And I look forward to reading that book when you get it out and, um, <laughs> and starting to implement this. This was really, really helpful. So thank you. Thank you for having me on and everybody here. It was really fun. As you can tell, I'm very passionate about my shoulds <laughs> or my not shoulds <laughs> and sharing them with people. So I'm always here to, to spread that message. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, everyone take care. I'll be on tomorrow at 12. So I don't have a guest for tomorrow, so I don't know what I'm going to do, but um, there, you know, who knows? It, it, you might just get an hour of me telling you what you should do. No, just kidding. Um, we could do a lot of really fun things tomorrow. So I don't know what, what we're going to do, but it'll be fun. It's just another opportunity to get together. So I look forward to seeing you all again soon. And thank you again, Trisha. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.